0: Welcome to CHQ&A, the podcast of Chautauqua Institution, where we continue conversations that begin on stages and porches across the institution grounds for even deeper insight into the work and thought processes of those who shape the Chautauqua experience. I'm Jordan Steves, recording in the Cohen Multimedia Studio on the Chautauqua Grounds. Our guest this episode is Stuart Chaffetz, the longtime principal timpanist of the Chautauqua Symphony Orchestra, who has just been named as the ensemble's first ever principal pops conductor. A well-known and cherished presence on the Chautauqua grounds each summer, Chaffetz has made annual appearances on the podium for the CSO's Independence Day celebration and the late-season collaboration with the Chautauqua Opera Company's Young Artists. More recently, he has also served as a conductor for the orchestra's live performances accompanying film presentations, beginning in 2019 with Star Wars A New Hope and continuing with The Empire Strikes Back on August 15, 2020. Chaffetz also serves as Principal Pops Conductor of the Columbus Symphony Orchestra and is newly appointed as the Principal Pops Conductor of the Marin Symphony. A conductor celebrated for his dynamic and engaging podium presence, he is increasingly in demand with orchestras across the continent. David's joined Chautauqua Vice President of Performing and Visual Arts, Deborah Sunea Moore, for a phone conversation shortly before the announcement of his new appointment at Chautauqua.
1: Hi, Stuart. Thanks so much for joining us today. And I think you are on a well deserved break, but a pretty short one at your home in California, correct?
2: That's right, Deb. Good to hear from you. Uh, It's always a pleasure to be home.
1: Well, we are thrilled to be talking to you today because, of course, we have some pretty exciting news. I wanted to start with a warm congratulations on behalf of the Chautauqua Symphony Orchestra and really the whole Chautauqua community on your new position as Principal Pops Conductor for the Chautauqua Symphony Orchestra.
2: Thank you so much. I'm thrilled. I can't tell you how exciting it is to just be a part of this wonderful family for now 23 years for me. Uh, It just feels so wonderful to be a part of uh, the CSO in this capacity.
1: Well, I'd like to say that I'm your biggest fan, but I think there are many people that would be lining up to argue with me (laughs) about who your biggest fan is here at Chautauqua. So you hold two principal titles at Chautauqua Institution. Of course, that of Principal Timpanist and now that of Principal Pops Conductor as well. And I should note that this is not just a first conducting title for you at Chautauqua. This is indeed the first time we have ever had the position of Principal Pops. So it's quite an honor. And I was hoping you could share a little bit with our listeners about what this position means to you.
2: Well, I couldn't be more thrilled to be the first person to have this position. Uh, I mean, when this uh, became a reality, it was just such a thrill for me. And I think it really says a lot about the direction of the Chautauqua institution in the sense that we're trying to bring in uh, people who – may or ne- may or may not know about the Chautauqua Symphony. And I think it's a great opportunity as a pops conductor to bring people in for the first time that hadn't heard the orchestra on programs that they love. For example, when we did Star Wars in concert, live in concert with the film last year, it seemed as if half the audience uh, was hearing the orchestra for the first time. And to me, that's a wonderful goal.
1: So, Stuart, you were talking to me earlier about how exciting it is to have this role of Principal Pops. And we talk a lot about different audiences that the orchestra attracts. Can you just share a little bit about what it means for you to be Principal Pops conductor here at Chautauqua?
2: Of course, I think being Principal Pops here uh, creates such an excitement for me because having done the 4th of July concert for many years, I feel a connection with this community, uh, both behind the timpani and as a conductor for many years. And as I walk through Bester Plaza and greet everybody on the grounds, I get comments like, that was really fun. Your concert, uh, my grandson came and can't wait to pop the paper bags on the 4th of July. Or when they came to Star Wars, they said, you know, this was so much fun. Uh, My aunt and uncle came to the symphony for the first time. They're big Star Wars fans. So this creates an opportunity for people who normally wouldn't go to a symphony concert and special pops concerts like Star Wars, like the 4th of July and many others uh, coming in the future will enable so many different audiences to come and enjoy symphony for the first time and hopefully not be their first time, but be part of that group that's already heard the symphony uh, before because they were into it. And for me, uh, that smile and that thumbs up while I walk through Bester Plaza means so much. It means we're reaching the entire community.
1: I think you just hit on something really special and it sounds so simple, but I am quite sure that several times you just mentioned the word fun. And I hate to admit it, but a lot of people, when they think of symphony orchestra, fun is not the first word that comes to mind. So you have a sense of humor. Everyone knows you as a funny guy. You're very welcoming from the podium. What does it feel like your role is when you are up there almost as an advocate and ambassador for the orchestra and for a place like Chautauqua? How are you connecting with people?
2: Well, you know, I always refer back to my favorite line when I think about what I do and people say, you know, what's your job? And mm-hmm. I say, you know, it's funny because a lot of people say they go to work. Well, for us as well, you know, Deb, as, as a performing artist, we don't work music. We play music. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a really uh, effective way to sort of describe the feeling of being on the podium. Because it's like not work for me, it is play. And we play music uh, to engage the musicians, the audience, and get that spirit going. and And I think that resonates, and it's um, it's it's very uh, addictive and and uh, people can can catch that positive feeling of going to a pops concert and feel the energy and the joy and the laughter. And most importantly, as you said earlier,
1: Have fun. Mm. Well, you have just gotten right to the heart of the conversation, which I think is really about not just the future of the Chautauqua Symphony Orchestra with you as one of our artistic leaders, but really the future of orchestras. And it's no secret to you that orchestras all over struggle with the balance, right? The balance of classical programs by composers that we know and love and more contemporary programs and pops programs. And some people will view pops programs because they are fun as maybe the music isn't quite as serious or maybe the music isn't the same quality. And yet what we focus on at Chautauqua are pops concerts that have fantastic music. Could you talk a little bit about the quality of Pops programs and the types of composers that you enjoy performing?
2: Absolutely. Well, the first one that comes to mind, of course, is John Williams. I think of him as, right? I mean, I think of him as the uh, quintessential American movie composer, uh, if not composer in general. And I think The idea of classical music being um, serious and not fun, as as you mentioned earlier, is a classic example of here's a master composer, arranger um, for film scores and for many other uh, genres that has taken and has been influenced by some of the greatest composers like Strauss and like Prokofiev. And you can hear it in his music and it puts a smile on my face because he has that ability to uh, make you smile and go oh my gosh, that's a quote from Superman. Superman sounds just like death and transfiguration right out of Strauss. So this is serious music Mm -hmm. and with people that we bring in, such wonderful artists that can kind of cross over, not just kind of, but do cross over and when you have Artists that you you look at you look for and you say how would they sound sound with orchestral accompaniment uh, and those are serious questions so when you put a pops concert together you have to be cognizant of so many different issues where and I'm not saying that this isn't difficult but to program an all Beethoven concert let's see uh, Leonore overture number three Emperor piano concerto intermission Beethoven eight done you know <laughs> done Beethoven festival. You know, um, with Pops, you're maybe looking at a two or three minute song. How does one transition? Where are you going next? Are you having banter with your soloist or are you going segue right into the music? How much longer? What kind of volume are we talking about? Do we have a rhythm section? How is that balanced? So there's so many factors that a lot of people don't consider when programming Pops as being something that's actually more challenging for players because they get maybe one, if we're lucky, two rehearsals for pops, whereas in the classical rehearsals segment, you get four, maybe five rehearsals. So a lot has to get done, and it's all about efficiency. And very often, the players, of course, know Beethoven Eight, know the Emperor Concerto, but maybe hearing or seeing an arrangement for the first time, and so it takes a certain uh, level of. Uh, professionalism, which the Chautauqua Symphony has, and that's why it's such a treat to come in and have a rehearsal the day of for a concert, uh, both classical as well. It always astounds me how wonderful the orchestra sounds, and it's an incredible uh, task to have three concerts a week, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, of different repertoire. And so add add a Pops concert on top of that, where music is definitely unfamiliar. It's a miracle to, to kind of hear, see and hear the product
1: Hmm. You said some really important things that I want to pick up on. You were talking about um, it almost felt like the the emotion of some um, contemporary pops composers, someone might say, and you mentioned John Williams. And it made me think, even though we hear pops and we think fun, and that is a delightful and beautiful thing, these composers like John Williams were also composer for for movies like Schindler's List. And it almost makes me think that what you're doing when you program a concert is it always feels like you're trying to connect emotionally with people. And that is not just through having fun, even though that's a beautiful thing, but it's also through really trying to have a current and relevant connection. Um, You've done movie concerts, you do themed concerts. What is it when you're programming a concert with a lot of short pieces and trying to create this flow? What are you? What's the story that you're trying to tell or how do you go about your Pops programming?
2: Well, for example, this weekend, I'm going to be with the Cincinnati Pops. Mm-hmm. And the concert is something that I devised called Totally 80s. Now, it's really full circle for me because I spent my college years in Cincinnati, listening to these wonderful 80s tunes while I was in college, going to Skyline at one in the morning, having Grader's ice cream. So being able to perform that decade of music in my old alma mater, my old stop, stomping grounds, is that much more special. Um, but we perform this concert all over the country, and in fact in Canada as well, and we're going to be in Ottawa and Toronto with this program uh, coming up. But The beauty of it is going through all that music and saying, okay, what will be the best sounding as an orchestration? And my concerts generally uh, feature the orchestra. It's not about sort of a rock band in front. It's about featuring the orchestra and wonderful singers. And we've had some beautiful singers. In fact, the singer that's going to um, be performing – on my 80s show and my Phil Collins show will be our soloist at the 4th of July, Aaron Finley, who's currently in the new production of Moulin Rouge on Broadway. So he's yet again, another fantastic uh, singer that I get to work with. um, And to collaborate with that level of singer, I mean, this is like a, it's a very special uh, type of singer to be able to belt out, Phil Collins, and to do George Michael, and to have a female that can do Heart and can do Blondie. And so you have to kind of consider all those uh, variables when putting a program together. Um, that's just one aspect of it. But mostly when you have 2,000 songs from the 80s to choose from, you want to kind of hit all the gems. And it's hard because I could probably have three or four different concerts of 1980s music, just like I could have three or four concerts of John Williams tribute concerts. So there's so much. Uh, So that's the hardest challenge to find that blend, that balance of Mm. a two hour and 15 minute performance of something where, you know, you wish you could do so much more and then it's sort of like stay tuned for part two.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I love that you're giving us that, inside peak of programming because what most people know of you is just your incredible stage presence, um, your sense of welcoming, your sense of fun. and I think a lot of people don't necessarily realize how much work uh, goes on before you ever get on stage that it's not someone else making these programs for you that I think part of your success nationally is that you put so much time and thought into these programs
2: For sure. It's amazing how much time and energy it takes uh, to put on a show that uh, we hope seems um, seamless and uh, per- perfect in the way that we've we've envisioned it. And you know, we've every show is different, and that's beautiful about live music. Uh, but to really give a good performance and to really have a committed. Uh, program it does take a lot of work and a lot of commitment on so many levels the orchestrators finding the right composers and arrangers for the tunes uh for medleys or for specific rock ballads there's people out there that are i use in many different capacities to achieve the goals to come up with the right mix. So it's, yeah, it's, it's a wonderful experience. And, and I, I feel so lucky to be able to do it, you know, so lucky. Like we say, we play music, you know, we don't work music. And this is a classic example of like, Oh my gosh, I get to do an eighties concert. And I just want everyone to feel what they feel like when they, when they hear this music and that wonderful decade, it brings them right back to where they were one tune One phrase can do that.
1: You're exactly right. You know, I'm already imagining showing up in my leg warmers and and perming my hair again for the evening. (laughs)
2: Totally. We've got the members only jackets and our shoulder pads. And the best part is when the orchestra dresses up, because that shows the audience how much fun. And, And so I always say, boy, who knew? Uh, the symphony orchestra could be so uh, fun and not so serious. I mean, I've seen all kinds of cool, like from metal to like Pat Benatar to uh, Richard Simmons. <laughs> I've seen it all. But that shows kind of the when 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 the orchestra's on board, it the audience is definitely on board and it shows that much more fun. and And everybody has a good time. And it's funny to see the orchestra, some of them who don't dress up on the first performance. They get dressed up on the second and third performance, and some people, you know, use uh, get costumes for three different nights. I've seen three different costumes, and it's really a lot of fun. And the, when the audience is out there with their, you know, their share costumes and, uh, uh, you know, their Devo hats, and it's really fun.
1: I love it. Well, just (laughs) that whole sense of fun and delight. Clearly, this resonates all over because I I have to brag on you a little bit. So Uh I, I know I have to do it. So Chautauqua is not your first principal pops conductor position. I would like to say that we were, but of course, you were appointed as the principal pops conductor for the Columbus Symphony Orchestra. It was in 2017, wasn't it? Right at the end.
2: I can't believe it. How how much time flies. That's right. It's, right. I'm going on my third season there now.
1: And and you were more recently Uh, also honored with the role of Principal Pops Conductor of the Marin Symphony.
2: That one is very special to me because I can literally walk to the office. And I've been traveling so much over the last few years on the planes. And while I don't like travel too much, when I get up on the podium, it's magical. I just, you know, I'm in heaven. But to be able to walk to work. uh, And my wife, Anne, who's the conductor of the, Marin Youth Symphony, which is part of the Marin Symphony, uh, she played on the on the last concert, which we did with uh, Cirque de la Symphony it was magical. But to be able to go home and have dinner at our house and then to go to the concert was like unheard of for me, but so special to be able to come back home a couple times a year and perform in the orchestra right around the corner in my neighborhood. What a concept.
1: Amazing. So, so let's talk about home. So you yes. have these, you have these two incredible positions. You now have added Chautauqua as let's call it your, your triple crown. <laughs> now you have another principal pops, uh, conductor title role here at Chautauqua and Chautauqua has been your summer home for a long time. So What does it mean for you to be Principal Pops Conductor in Chautauqua when we already like to think of us as your summer home?
2: It is the best honor. I am so excited about it, and it just gives me a big smile to be able to spend the summers at Chautauqua and to continue to spend summers at Chautauqua because I felt like kind of the guy who was doing the Pops, and this just sort of made it official. Mm -hmm. And I I can't tell you uh, how thrilled I am about it uh, to be, you know, the the possibilities of all this continued uh, pops opportunities in Chautauqua and seeing all my friends and uh, giving a nod from behind the drums and and from the podium and looking at that choir loft in the back and and just feeling their energy and excitement. Uh, It's just going to add to add to that so much more.
1: Well, I am already excited for the next summer and have so many more things to talk about, but I just wanted to take a pause because, listeners, if you are just joining us, we're recording in the Cohen Multimedia Studio on the grounds of Chautauqua Institution. I am Deborah Sunea Moore, the Vice President of Performing and Visual Arts, and our guest today is Stuart Chaffetz, who has just been named our Principal Pops Conductor of the Chautauqua Symphony Orchestra, in addition to being our principal tippinist. So, Stu, we had mentioned briefly the 4th of July concert, our Independence Day celebration concert here at Chautauqua. And for those that don't know, of course, Chautauqua is a place of great tradition. And now, in addition to watching The Children's School Parade on the 4th of July and listening to the community band on Bester Plaza, the Chautauqua Symphony Orchestra and you conducting the Chautauqua Symphony Orchestra. um, All of that is part of our July 4th celebration. And I have to share that you brought something new to this celebration many years ago. And it's what I sometimes refer to as the great 1812 bag popping event. (laughs) So I, I have to out you here. I have to say, can you share a little bit with our listeners about the first time you thought of popping bags on 1812? Tell us a little bit about this.
2: It's funny that it it kind of happened, of course, by accident, when we found out that the cannons were not available uh, and that we needed something to replace the cannons that was going (laughs) to be as grand. Well, we had no idea, but I was like, hey, what about if we use paper bags and we have the audience pop them on cue? I mean, I had no idea how it was going to sound. I thought, well, it's worth a try. So, I mean, I went to Sam's Club and at the time when it was in Lakewood and I went and I, I was in the, like the paper bag aisle, you know, next to the toilet paper and the, the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the paper towels. And, and so then I'm like. They had different sized paper bags. So I started experimenting. You know, I went like I would open the bag and it would be like a a number eight. And I tried to blow it up and then I popped it. And, of course, people were looking at me. (laughs) But I found that I found that the number four, number four paper lunch bag had the best crack to it and was also easier to blow up.
1: Okay, wait, now I'm a little bit worried. You're giving away Chautauqua's biggest secrets on air. Number four. OK, yeah. maybe maybe we'll have to start confusing people and tell them it's really number 10. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right. Well, I, you know, the the bigger the number, the bigger the bag. So I was thinking, you know, we need something that people can blow up quickly, but still have uh, a nice resonant cannon like sound now as you know, as a percussionist, Deb, we're always looking for sounds, the right sound. And, and, you know, people are looking at me like I'm insane. Well, I mean, you know, in Sam's Club, because I'm like, no, that's not right. And they're like, what is going on? Security, you know. Um, But also, um, I got one of those big carts from Sam's Clubs and I start loading on these number four. And so I figured, okay, well, there's 5,000 people and so we need 15,000 paper lunch bags. and cuz i was thinking you know 5000 times 3 and each person gets three lunch bags so i i have 15000 paper lunch bags on this cart and i mean you should see what it looks like when i'm in line and people have their you know um shrimp and their other <laughs> paper products and there i am with the, you know these paper bags and they they're looking at me like, um, boy, that's a lot of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches there, sir. I said, I wish that was the case. But and they said, Well, what exactly do you need this for? And then I thought, Oh boy. Well, I'm gonna use them as cannons was we popped the paper bags uh, for eighteen twelve and they looked at me like I was insane, you know. But they just started laughing. And it was amazing how many people said, I'm gonna go. So like characters from the Club. Yes, it was really fun. And so every year For the last ah, 10, 15 years, (laughs) I have been going to Sam's Club until, of course, Sam's Club is no longer. Uh, But every year I would go and get these bags. And it was like a tradition and talk about tradition. Um, And it was just so much fun. Uh, It meant it was Chautauqua was here. It was June and we were stocking up for the 4th of July.
1: Yes. Well, so you've answered the big question, how many bags What bag number? What's just the right timbre of bag? But here's the next question. So I'll describe for those that haven't been there. You hear this deafening sound of thousands of bags popping right when the cannons come in. Can you sing that little part for us, by the way?
2: Yes. Right. That's it, right? So we're getting yeah.
1: ready. The bags are being blown up. And no matter how often you warn people, there is always someone that does the premature bag popping. <laughs> so right. when you buy your bags, are you accounting for that premature bag popper?
2: You know, I am. Because okay. I know that we have, as we go around, we have uh, many passes to do it. But <laughs> I always say, you know you don't want to you don't want to use up your ammunition on premature popping. Uh however, it's inevitable. There's always somebody, and it's usually a 75-year-old adult, and I always say it's like romper room, and that's a <laughs> that's a, a reference that 75-year-olds would understand. Uh, but it's amazing what happens to 75 75- and 80 year olds when they get a paper lunch bag in their hands. It's actually they're more uh into it and uh willing to do uh crazy things, and it's the grandchildren who are saying
1: no, Grandpa, not yet. <laughs> I, absolutely. Well, I definitely hope to still be popping bags when I'm 75 in the amphitheater. <laughs> we'll see oh my how that God. goes. It's
2: so, well, what a sound, right, Deb? When everybody what does it in, a in unison? Sound.
1: Yes. I know. <laughs> okay, so we have this Chautauqua favorite. And another concert that you've been doing for a long time with us is the Opera Pops concert. Oh, yes. And talk yes. about something really different. Again, all we get to see is this fantastic concert with young artist stars from the Chautauqua Opera Company. But I don't think most people realize that you are working with these young artists long before the day of the concert. Can you talk to us just a little bit about your role as coach and mentor with the artists? Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. First of all, I when I first started doing this, Jay Lessinger asked if I would be willing to do it. I walked across the street for the first time in the Jane Gross Opera Center, and it was like another world because very often Chautauquans don't get an opportunity to cross that street and see what goes on over there.
1: What a good point! Well,
2: you know, I mean, it is a machine with Carol Rausch and all the wonderful piano accompanists and coats, Dottie Randall, uh, so many, Uh, Miriam Charney. They are incredibly talented and they all have their strengths that people uh, turn to. So I'm in a good space by the time I get to uh, meet and work with this year's opera pop soloists and um, apprentice artists and, and uh, the chorus, it's, it's a phenomenal experience to walk in and we start that the Monday before or the Tuesday before and we spend many, many hours going through repertoire and for an opportunity for a full on opera singer to have a chance to sing pops, uh, Broadway, light light classical uh music is such a wonderful experience for them educationally, but also it's amazing to hear the transformation over that week to the point where we get to that Saturday rehearsal, one rehearsal, and boom, they are on. And it is a transformation that is a wonderful experience. On top of that, watching the dramatic coaches, Andy Gale, um, and and seeing him uh, with um, Teddy Kearns work with these artists uh, and work on the choreography as well as the singing. And so I'm always amazed at... How many again, how many parts moving parts are involved with making this look seamless, so there's a lot of people involved and when i by the time I get there, a lot of it has been has been worked on and and that's a, that's a really a testament to the opera department and Stephen Osgood and what he's done because very often they're coming right off of another opera and then they're just on to the next thing and if you've seen an opera schedule every minute of the day for every artist. Uh, is accounted for, including myself, which is so different for for uh, a classical uh, orchestral musician slash conductor to get a schedule that says from eight fifteen to eight twenty five. Um, you know the student prints, and then you go and it's like your your entire day is mapped out. But we're talking about fifty different people and fifty different schedules, and there's this guy Rick Hoffenberg who's the man behind that schedule and he puts everything together and makes sure everybody, lots of people are in where they're supposed to be. And there's several rooms and there's several um, things going on at the same time as opera pops. So there's so much to, uh, I I mean, I'm overwhelmed every time I go there just to, Mm. to see the kind of work that goes on over there. So to be able to collaborate, with the Chautauqua Symphony and the opera, uh, is such an honor. I mean, and just to see all the hard work and people who never necessarily get recognized for how much they do. It's amazing.
1: Well, I just really appreciate this balance you have even right at Chautauqua of performing with some of today's biggest stars, you mentioned Aaron Finley, who will be featured on our next Fourth of July concert. But all of these soloists you've brought to us, Capathia Jenkins, Nikenje, and along with that, you're also fostering our emerging talent in the world of opera as well. I just think that's really a fantastic combination. So thank you for that work.
2: Oh, and I should say uh, there is somebody that came to the Opera Pops a few years ago that had such a good crossover ability that, in fact, she was somebody that I, I selected to go and perform, and I have a love program that she's performed in in several places, and she, Dee Danasco, was a, an opera apprentice, and she uh, is now singing Holiday Pops with me with the Detroit Symphony in a month. So it's nice to have that connection once again, uh, to be able to find that level of talent and people who really uh, excel at this type of repertoire. So it's nice to be able to have that Chautauqua connection and be able to find that.
1: How exciting. So 4th of July, we have that favorite concert with you. We have Opera Pops. And last year we did what I think is a new favorite with Stuart Chaffetz. We did Star Wars, A New Hope. And while we have not officially announced it yet, I guess we're about to let the cat out of the bag. We will be doing Empire Strikes Back with you on August 15th.
2: Oh, my gosh. I am so excited about this. It was so much fun. And what energy uh, coming from the orchestra as well as. Right. I mean, and they say that this movie is even better. Uh, It's hard to imagine but i'm so excited to dig into that score. uh what what a cool thing. and and coming to back to what we talked about earlier. what a great way for people who normally wouldn't go to the symphony, they would go to see Star Wars and then they always say to me, you know what? We forgot there was an orchestra there. It was so together or you know, it it melded so well with the the film and you know what that's the biggest compliment because we were doing what we were supposed to which is enhancing the storyline. And nobody can take away from that electric sound of live music, especially with the level of the Chautauqua Symphony. And hearing that, there's nothing like it. You could have the best stereo system in the house, in in the world, in your house, but there's nothing like live music and that soundtrack coming right at you. And again, another wonderful uh, music from John Williams.
1: Well said. I just, I always feel when you talk to me, when you talk to the people around you, that that is really an example of why this position is so important at Chautauqua that it's really a position where you will now even have a, a louder megaphone, a brighter spotlight so that you can help be an ambassador and an advocate, not just for the orchestra in general, but to help people New people come to the orchestra and to feel what is that excitement when you're right there with a live orchestra in an amphitheater full of people, whether it's Star Wars or Fourth of July or the next concert we cook up together. um, I just think you bring (laughs) this relevance and excitement um, that can connect people through music.
2: Oh, you know, that is the absolute goal and mission of It's been my dream, you know, and I I have to tell you, because of the Chautauqua connections, wherever I go to guest conduct, I run into my colleagues who play in the Chautauqua Symphony in various orchestras. For example, this weekend, we have three or four players alone from the Cincinnati Symphony who are Chautauquans, who play in the Chautauqua Symphony. And on top of that, we have audience members that are all over the country that I get to connect with yet once again in their off-season homes and to be able to get together with them in Florida and from Seattle and Toronto and various places, the Chautauqua connection is far and wide. And to be able to connect with them on the off season and say hello and say, what do you think? You think we should bring that to Chautauqua? Absolutely. And having a chance to
1: just connect
2: with Chautauquans all year round, I'm in heaven.
1: I love it. Well, Stu, it has been great to connect with you about not just your history, but your future at Chautauqua. So thank you for really increasing your commitment to all of us here at Chautauqua. And I know that many fans will join me when I say I am already looking forward to Chautauqua 2020 with you as one of our artistic leaders.
2: Oh, I can't thank you enough. I'm so excited. Thank you, Deb.
1: Thank you. We can't wait for the summer, Stu. Oh,
2: me neither.
0: Thanks to Stuart Chaffetz for joining us on chq and to interviewer Deborah Sunea-Moore, who during the day serves as Chautauqua Institution's Vice President of Performing and Visual Arts. Our producer for this episode was Dave Munch. This program may appear in part or in full on the airwaves of our partner stations WJTN and WRFA in Jamestown, New York. CHQ&A is a production of Chautauqua Institution, recorded and edited in the Cohen Multimedia Studio. I'm Jordan Steves. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back soon with another episode of CHQ&A.